Welcome back to the 10 Artist Commandments podcast. It's your guy, J.R. McKee, author and narrator of the 10 Artist Commandments. And today I have a special guest to talk to us about commandment number four, identify and engage your audience. I have the man, the myth, the legend, music executive and music advocate, Brian Calhoun, 25-year music executive veteran. This man has done it all. He has managed the biggest artist in the game. And I mean that literally because he's managed the top rapper of about all time, Lil Wayne, as well as Kanye, T.I., many other people, um, as well as run places like Pandora, where you get all your music from, as well as he has written one of the greatest music business books that, that we've come across, which is why I included it in the 10 Hours Commandments. This is the author of the Music Business Toolbox, Brian Calhoun is in the building. So, man, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you having me. I, I, I do want to clarify a little bit. I work as an extension of the artist management team. So it's part yes. of a team. I wouldn't say that the, like I was the manager for these artists, but I'm, I work as a part of a team yeah. and uh, stay in uh, kind of stay in my lane with it. But it, I, I have been very, very fortunate and had the opportunity to work with uh, a lot of a lot of really big artists and 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 contribute uh, in a small part to, to to some of their careers. Well, let me say this in return: every time I came to the Blueprint offices, I saw you. You, oh. <laughs> you, you were in there working, so I know that you put in a lot of work and helped yeah. tremendously on these artists' career. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 been fun. It's been exciting. Learned a lot of stuff, and uh, you know, as we were chatting before we joined, uh, I think one of the things that uh, but, you know, you and I both share a passion for supporting the independent artist community. And we've had the opportunity to work with some really big, you know, some big artists. Uh, but we do have the opportunity and take it and, and, and share information and things that we've learned uh, yeah. and access that we have because of working with some of these big artists and share it with uh, the independent artist community. Because, uh, you know, people have probably heard it before, but, you know, the truth is that independent artists have access to the same tools and information that the biggest artists in the world do. And it's really just up to you to take, take advantage of it. Right. That's, that's, that's a key because a lot of people think that they have some great access. When I, I work with these major labels, they're using the exact same tools. The only yeah. difference is they're focused on using them where most artists ignore them. That's, a, that's exactly right. And, you know, sometimes they have teams of people to do it. Uh, you know, oftentimes they do have teams, uh, yeah. so you have a little bit more staff and stuff, but you also have to be like really intentional about it and think mm -hmm. about what are the things that you're trying to accomplish and like, what are the tools that you have access to that can, uh, that can help you achieve your goals. Thankfully, um, you allowed this. I was able to quote, um, several times the music business toolbox because you wrote one of the most important books. And so, um, if you could, uh, there's an excerpt from the book, um, that's an excerpt from your book. <laughs> if you could <laughs> read that for us, please. All right, sure. There are some very nice looking dashboards out there which make it possible for you to access an enormous amount of information about your music's social resonance. Uh, but here's a warning. Always ask yourself, what can I do with this information? Does the data help you route your tour or reveal the next single or match you with some similar artists? Have you discovered your music is popular in Brazil or that you're a hit with teens? As you discover these things, think about what is possible to take action on and then figure out if it's affordable and wise for you to engage in.
it's it's funny, man. Going back and like uh, uh, reading something that uh, that I wrote some time ago, but uh, yeah, I think it definitely is still uh, very relevant. What made you put this book together? Like, what made you write the music business toolbox? So, really, it grew out of uh, of some frustration that I was seeing in in the business. Uh, I had the opportunity. It really, I got put on this path of what I call myself an artist advocate, but this artist advocacy when I was working at a label. And I saw the way the label was treating the artist just unfairly because they had information that the mm-hmm. artist didn't have. And, the, and they were taking advantage of the lawyer that was representing the artist because the lawyer didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And I, I, I remember, you know, sort of being the nerd that I am going through a contract and reading, and this is, this is certainly going to date me here, but. Uh, I was reading the contract and realized that the, and did the math and realized that the artist was getting paid less on the sale of a CD than they were on cassette and vinyl. And, but the margins and the the record label made so much more money on the sale of a CD. Wow. And I was like, I was like, I was, you know, I was so naive. I was, I was really young. I was, but I was, I was naive. And I went to the executive. I was like, I was like, I don't understand this. Can you explain this? And, they, and so here to make it even worse, it was at one of those like super expensive restaurants, $300 bottles of wine, you know, $80 steaks, kind of, you know, like, you know, yeah. totally stereotypical record label, you know, excess. And like literally, so we're sitting here having this like super expensive meal. And I naively ask some of the, the executives, I was like, well, I don't understand. Why, why does the artist get less on the sale of a CD. And they literally laughed. They're like, oh, you know, well, they that's what they agreed to. And I was right. like, well, didn't they have a lawyer who, like, under, you know, who pushed back? They're like, oh, yeah, well, that lawyer just did divorces and wills and didn't know what he was doing. So anytime he questioned something, we just said, oh, that's standard in the music business, and he would cave. Okay. I was like, well, that's Jesus. unfair. Right. And so so that really put me on the path of, of doing that. But then, you know, between that and some other things, and I also felt like they, the, the labels did a very poor job of planning. So the, before I wrote a book, I actually built software. I built financial software for labels to do cash flow, profitability analysis, break-even analysis. This is, you know, this is early 2000s. I was seeing, you know, the change in the way the business worked and that, uh, you know, it was it became easy to distribute. I was very fortunate. I was at the, the Apple where Steve Jobs opened up iTunes to the independent labels. I mean, people may not realize it, but when iTunes launched, it was only the major labels. I, I was working for an independent, you remember that? So independent labels were, were kept out of it initially. So I was at the meeting where Steve Jobs said, hey, here's iTunes, you guys can use it now. There was you know, a few hundred people at this meeting and I remember doing them, you know, looking at it, I was like, wow, we're gonna make more money on, on selling uh, an album for $9.99 and we will on a CD for $18.99. And so, 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 so distribution becomes easy marketing, you know, you, you know, socials launch, you guys, you had MySpace and email marketing and that, that, that happens. So, you know, so marketing becomes at least accessible, not the easy, but more accessible and, and the recording completely changed. You can record, you can do hard disc recording. The first record, like the record I was mentioning that was recorded on two inch tape. It was expensive. There were times when we went to the studio and spent $10,000 a day, right? So. Recording, distribution, marketing, all accessible. The problem is people didn't know what to do. They didn't have the information. And so I built financial software for independent labels to do analysis. But what I realized as I started licensing the software to these independent labels is that 
there was more information that they needed than just, oh, here's the financials. They needed to have an understanding of how to develop a marketing plan, what a product manager does, you know, you know, how do you allocate the money? What are ISRC codes? What are UPC codes? All of that stuff. And so and then it became a book and financial software and a number of other tools. So, so let me ask you this, because th even though there were different mediums back then, like CDs and cassettes, I feel like we're still having the same problem today. Just now it's streaming and et cetera. Like, so, so how does the music business toolbox toolbox? Cause I know it's the same problem, but how does it apply to today's issues? So you're right. It's, it's really, it's really interesting. One of the things that people say is that, oh, you know, the book must have to, you have to change it all the time. I'm like, well not that much because the, the, the general, the general things are still the same, yeah, it's right? Still the same problem. It's still, it's still, it's still the same problem. Still generally the same problems. Yeah. Access is different. The, the, the means of consumption are different for yeah. the consumer, but you still have essentially the same things, just the, some of the tools of, uh, and at means of access uh, have, have changed. So I think it's more about principles and overarching strategies and then yeah. some of the individual tactics can change. And so I think it's, if you can understand the strategy, then you can be, you know, dynamic and, 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 and creative with respect to the tactics and look at the different tools that are out there and be like, hmm, how can I use this for my, to, to, right. to my advantage? Right. They say it takes 10,000 hours to master a field. Well, what do you call spending 157,000 hours on one task? Breaking artists. Over my 18 years, I've witnessed the music business change abruptly from year to year. Yet I see artists rise to stardom throughout every era, no matter the landscape. Working directly with these success stories, I've noticed 10 principles that all these artists live by that have helped them conquer their errors. What are the characteristics? What are the traits? What are the practices of a successful artist? What does it take? 10 artist commandments no matter the air no matter the landscape no matter the platform if you want to have a successful career as an artist read this book i know you know we were talking about commandment number four identify and engage your audience and people don't realize how much harder it was back in those days to identify mm -hmm. your audience as opposed to now where like it's literally in your face the analytics give you everything so let's start here why as a music artist do you have to understand your audience i think that people do not realize that your music and you your brand mm -hmm. is a product like toothpaste right <laughs> like cars like you know any other product when Procter and Gamble launches a new product, they're not just randomly throwing it out there to people. They're like, who is the audience for this particular product? Product, and how do we reach them? So you do this. You should do the exact same thing. So you 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 mentioned you know looking at your uh, you know looking at your fans and understanding what they're doing, right? So right. A, and you used and how hard it was then compared to what it is now. So no, let me give yeah. you a great. I'll give you a great example of it when there was physical product going to the stores you had no connection to the fan your distributor ships the product to a record store the record store sells the music to some fan you have no idea who that is right sold right. it good luck great hopefully you know great you made your money but what about when you're trying to figure out what is my next single i don't know 
you know we what we used to do back in the good old days <laughs> is we used to call the record stores that was like one of my first jobs it was like retail marketing person i would literally yeah. call record stores and ask them what song are people talking about from the album wow Wow. That was and that was and that was part of how figured we figured out what should the next single be. What are the people talking about? Well, now you release a body of work and you just look at it. It's like, <laughs> oh man, track number seven just man, yeah. that one is really taken off. Yeah. Or it becomes a thing that trends on socials, or you just you can see that information instantly. And, right. and that's just an example of how you can take and use that data. I'll give you, I'll give you another example. Uh, and this ties into, you know, how you market, because we talked about yeah. the problems being the same. Well, one of the problems is how do you get people to know you exist, right? And how do you get in front of people? A lot of the, 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 the dashboards give you information about the other artists that fans listen to, you know, in addition to you, right? So they listen to you and you're like, oh, fans also listen to X, Y, Z. Okay. Well, maybe what I need to do is start targeting those fans for those artists who are bigger than me. Now, I think you have to be careful about that because you can't pick an artist like Drake because he's too big. He's too big. He has too. He's his, too big. His fan base is too wide. It's too many his different. His fan types. base is too wide. His fan base yeah. is too wide. So who is an artist that's making it, but you know maybe he's got, you know, a few hundred thousand, yeah. you know, monthly subscribers. If you're really small, right? You're, it's like, oh man, well yeah. this other artist, it's like, oh people are you know uh, also liking this person, right? Well, you can then employ tactics and strategies. To try to, right, to target, target fans of that artist. Yeah, because I always tell artists, like, I don't care how unique your sound is. Somebody did it oh, before man. you. Preach. Go find, go find that person and target their audience. Target their audience, man. Yeah. I, 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 say, I say something very similar. It's like, you know, when an artist tells me, oh, my music is completely unique. It doesn't sound like anything. I'm like, it doesn't sound like anything, really? <laughs> like, there's nothing, nothing yeah. that's similar? Really? Yeah. Like, you know, even if it's something totally wacky, right? I don't know. Right. Maybe it's a cross between TV on the radio and Metallica and Drake. I don't know. Whatever. Right. I don't know. Maybe it's something something totally off the wall like that. But there's like something to there's something to build from. Who are the people who like those three artists? You can find right. those people. Target exactly. that group, Target that group. intersection of people. Exactly. Right? Because on Facebook, it. it it gives you so many options, like people who like so and so, and also like so and so. So you just cross, you just cross target. That's right. That's it exactly. Yeah. And you and you can you and you can even like be really like on the nose with it. Yeah. Do you like this, this, and that? Well, we got. I got something for you. You'll love this yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. And, and I and I think so. Yeah, you have to do that. But th- so you've got to just be. I think you have to be creative about how you use the data and make things actionable i mean i think that's yeah. that's the, that's really the biggest thing data for the sake of data is not what, really important be, as long as it's actionable yeah we get thrown so many different data and so i mean so many different analytics what would be to you some of your most in like maybe your top three analytics like these are the three you for sure have to pay attention to it's interesting because like most of the the platforms now have dashboards that give you a, a, yeah, some good insight. So I would say 
one of them really is just you know I'll, I'll group them all together is the the dashboards from the DSP. So yeah, you know Spotify for artists that information apple for artists artists, you know pandora's got data uh, amazon's got data so so it's all the dsps like they have their dashboards and you can see and a lot of times you'll see there'll be very similar trends across them right in terms of the way people respond Uh, another one that i don't think is as it doesn't come to the uh, forefront i I think uh, but it should especially in an era where increasingly important for direct sales mm-hmm. is email. What are your e- how is your how do your emails perform? Right? right. Like what what is the open rate? What is the click through rate? And when you tie that information back to your store, what is what is your how much are you selling and what fans bought how much? So, yeah. you know, like your conversion rate. What's your conversion rate? So, yeah. I can see so, so, so your conversion rate. So I, I'll give you a specific metric is ROAS, R-O-A-S, return mm-hmm. on ad spend. So you spend a dollar in advertising, how much revenue did that turn into? Exactly. So we look very specifically at that and I've got like a, 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 a cutoff. It's like, we stop spending when we get to, when the, when the, when that ROAS threshold falls off. below a certain yeah. point. Yeah, exactly. When the ROAS drops below two two X, okay, this isn't working anymore. Or or, or more, it's usually more than that. It's it's more yeah. it's more like you know. It, well, it also depends on what my goal my goal is because you run you have different yeah. campaigns. They have different goals. So right. if I'm running a campaign for a new merch drop, like I I want that. I want the you know especially in the beginning. I mean, I've seen ROAS as high as like you know twenty to one, which is incredible. You know, yeah, that, that's um, phenomenal. I would never stop spending on that. <laughs> I put yeah. every dollar. Right, I right, right. But what happens is over time it falls. Over time it over, over time it over time it declines. Yeah. So it's like okay, but you just have to watch it. You just have to watch right. it, and then it's like okay, well, I know what the margins are on that item, yeah. right? That I'm selling. So I know that when it falls below, say three to one, mm-hmm. that now I'm losing money. Right. Running so the me- campaign. So let me ask you this, because now we step into territory that most artists never step into because all they sell is music. And so you dealing with some of the biggest businesses, some of the biggest artist businesses in the world. How important is it to sell things other than just music as an artist? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. Like, who are the because what it does, even if you're not making a fortune on selling merch, Mm -hmm. what you're able to do is you're able to identify the top spending fans in your group period right so i think that because then when you do have something meaningful like you go you go and you super serve those fans so there's 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 a few ways where you can sort of like develop that group of people uh and know who those your top fans are so one is yeah you're selling merch you're selling you know uh, you know small items vip experiences when you go on tour i you know one of the artists that i uh uh have worked with is uh g easy and one of the things i just i i I just really really respected about him among many things he's 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 such a great dude like he was doing vip packages for fans when he was doing shows for like a couple hundred people yeah so he started and he was charged he was like i think he was charging like 20 bucks 25 bucks right so it was and you got to meet him and he would autograph and he would hang out you know when he's really small but those fans grew with him 
Right. And when he's by the time now he's headlining, then when he gets more, he's headlining arena tours. Mm-hmm. Those same people that were spending twenty or twenty five bucks are now spending a hundred and fifty bucks on a VIP experience, right? right? And 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 they share it with their friends, and it and it grows. I, I one of the things I, I tell people too is that like the more you do, the more you have, the easier it is to get more. Yeah. So what I mean by that is, like if you think about, it, it's kind of like anything. It's like money. If you got a million dollars. It's a lot easier to make $100,000 if you got a million already than it is if you got zero, right? Right. If you got, um, you know, if you got 100,000 followers on, you know, your social media on on Instagram, it's easier to get 10,000 more than it is someone who's got an account with zero to go from zero to 10,000. It's the same thing with streams. It's the same thing with fans, right? Like if you're putting out music on a consistent basis, you know, the, you know, the more streams you have, the more streams you can get, assuming that the music is good and, you know, right. you're, you're making the connection with the fans and doing that kind of well, thing. But it's easier the more you have. Well, I'll say this. So in the book, Ten Hours Commandments, we talk about that. So there, one of the commandments is sell early. And what G-Eazy was doing is he was training his fans. You know, and when you, when you start from zero fans and you train them from the beginning, like, hey, I need you to support me in this way. But you come up with creative ways to do it. That VIP package was a creative way to say, hey, I need your support. You know, that's right. And so he trained his fans early and that's how he got to arena tours. Yeah, because people don't realize the hardest thing to do in the music business is sell hard tickets. Hard ticket for people who don't understand hard ticket is uh, you you have a concert and somebody actually pays to come see you. That's that's a hard ticket. That's one of the hardest. Not just like not just like a nightclub. Like showing up. Yeah, it's a concert where your name is on. You headline that concert and people show up to you. So they're coming specifically for you not to go to the club, right? That is called a hard ticket. And that is one of the hardest things to sell in the music business. There are artists with massive hits that cannot sell out a 1200 seat uh, concert venue, you know, because they can't sell hard tickets. So what g Easy did was he trained those fans to be consumers and that's how he made it to arenas. Yeah. And, and you talk about being creative. So one of the things that g Easy was known for is he, he had this like 50s style kind of hair and stuff. <laughs> so one of his VIP packages was his barber would cut your hair oh before my. the show. That's and so fire. Oh, it was incredible. They had a trailer with like a big old time barber chair and they pulled it yeah. was incredible. It was incredible. That it is incredible. Insane. That's and his barber was on the road and he could only do like five of them per show because it took real time right, to do right. it. But I mean he could up And they were expensive, but it was inc- and he did. And he and his barber, you know, both made extra money and it was great. And those fans were just, yeah. it was, it was awesome. That's and the so, kind of creative thing. Yeah. 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 And, and so with that being said, because that, that kind of leads to where we're going in the future of music. And so one thing I know about people like yourself and me who study data, like we study analytics, we learn to see trends. And once you can see trends, you start to be able to predict the future. You know what I mean? And I don't I don't mean yeah. that in like a, a psychic type of way. I just mean yeah. you understand what's yeah, coming yeah, next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where do you see us headed next for independent artists? Okay, so if you think about what does a label offer? Really, a label only offers two things. Because at this point, most things are commodities, right? right. You can record easy. You can record cheap. What, you, you can, anybody can distribute. Everybody has access to the same tools that we talked about, right? The two things that a label offers are money and expertise. Both of those things are being disrupted too. 
right in a more meaningful so many way, people meaningful are offering way. money so many people are buying they'll 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 lend you money on your catalog there's so that's many right. different ways right. creative ways that's you can right. get money now right so so let's start with the education portion of it right so you know i have my book and software the music business toolbox yeah you've got the 10 artist commandments right there and, and there are other people out here doing things that are providing really good information out there right. because there's a hundred thousand new tracks coming out a day right mm -hmm. like the educated artists are going to be the ones that set themselves up for a chance at success it's not going to guarantee success but they're going to set themselves right. up much better for a chance at success and also the executives who are there doing it and then there are these and then there are companies that are really starting to do things to help provide the financing that you'll need now in the very very beginning it's going to be hard because you have nothing that's why i was yeah. saying going back when you have something it's easier to get more, more. than if you've right. got nothing right so you got to get to the point where you have something well there's companies like hi-fi and beat bread and and distributors are doing are more and more providing advances okay so that's the money and the education are the things that the labels do the money and the mm -hmm. and the and the expertise are the things that they provide but more and more of that stuff is being disrupted. Now, there's always going to be a place for, for them for, you know, I think for, you know, for companies to be able to do those kinds of things. But right. I, I think increasingly the things that you're doing, things that I'm doing with respect to ushering in the next generation of educated artists and executives is going to help the uh, help more and more artists be independent and just do things on their own terms. Oh. I, I, you know, I think, yeah, do, do things on their own terms. And this may, may sound a little, uh, a little, uh, a little corny or whatever, but <laughs> I, I truly believe that the world would be a better place if more yeah. artists can create art. Right. You know, right. And, and instead of having to, you know, work a job that they, that they don't, that they don't like, that they don't find fulfilling. Yeah. And, and I'll add to that is, because we're so beholden to the algorithms right now, I think the more artists begin to build their databases and their communities to where yep. they can escape the algorithm, then they can get yep. back to making real art and being and being creative. Like that haircut idea is amazing, right? You can get yep. back to doing stuff like that when you're not focused on putting out 10 pieces of content a day or putting out 50 yep. songs a year because you're not chasing yep. the algorithm. You have this strong fan base that supports you on your timing. And so I, I, I do think we, we can see a future where where that happens as well, where more artists build their own their own communities. You know what I mean? That's that's what I'm hoping for anyways, a, a community driven sort of artist artistry um in hip hop and R and B and all the genres. So that people that that'll bring the art back. Because right now it is is bad for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's definitely bad for us. So yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think the other thing too is one of the promises of the internet, mm -hmm. right? Broadly, the internet is the ability to connect with people who are into what you're into from all over the world, whatever, however small that group of people, uh, however small that group is, there are enough of, so it's these these niches, it's the proliferation of niches. You, you don't have to have a mass audience. Um, yeah. You don't have to, you can, aggregate your fan people who are into whatever very yeah, specific too. thing is that you do because yeah. you now have access to reaching them through you know through this right and on top of that because because they're paying you directly as opposed mm -hmm. to like a streaming platform you can make much more money off a much smaller audience you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it's, it's like everything is being set up for independent artists to 
live their lives independent. They no longer have to go anywhere else. So I, the the future is looking bright. I'll say that for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, the future is definitely looking bright. So so I I think you said like the most important thing is like the you artists have to educate themselves, right? And so getting the ten artist commandments, getting the music business toolbox, because you said labels offer expertise, but what if the artists can get the expertise on their own? You know, what if they can be self-educated? It takes one more piece of leverage away from the label if you do want to do a deal with them. You know, so That's right. I always tell people going to majors isn't the issue. It's just about the leverage you have when you go to them. And so if you're right. educated already, that's major leverage. 100%, 100%, yeah. So it kind of goes along with education, but it's also executing on a plan, like yeah. developing a plan and executing the plan. So you do have to do that. So it's not just about knowing. So it's about yeah. knowing and being able to to actually execute on it. But, in, you know, look, when you're an independent, when you're, you know, getting started, especially, you're everything. You know, one of the things I talk about in the Music Business Toolbox, talk about the 10 key business relationships in every artist's life. They're, you know, they're the same whether you headline a stadium or you just get into the point where you can, like, sit down and play at a, you know, a coffee shop. <laughs> you know, right. you still have the same 10, still have the same 10 business relationships, the 10 key business relationships. But when you're an independent, basically, we're all the hats. You know, yeah. you have to do all of you have to do you have to do all of those. And there's some where you're going to really, you know, look, you're not going to distribute yourself, but, you know, you go to a company that can distribute your music. Right. And, but right. you're still in control over it. You have to do all of the you have to do all of the things. So when you sort of grow, eventually you're going to have to get to the point where you need someone or a team of people to do those things. But until you get to that point, it's up to you to be able to do all of them. Now, here's here's the thing. If you grow and if you've done those things, as you grow, it's a lot easier to hold those people accountable and know if they're doing a good job or right. not doing a good job. Exactly. It's like, wait a minute, I've done this before. I've run ads. That's How's that ad? That ad's performing terribly. Or why should the distributor, why isn't the distributor doing X? They should be doing that. I d I've done these things already. It's mm -hmm. easier for you to hire and hold people accountable. So, so in closing, right? 10 hours commandments was my 18 years of experience, but I have to bow to your 25 years of experience. What, what would, what would you tell independent artists? What would your last thought be to them uh, from your 25 years of experience? Like, I just want you to just talk to them quickly and, and then we'll, we'll let you go. I appreciate your time so much. Oh man. I, I well, I appreciate being here. Love doing this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of just being connected to you and being able to, you know, uh, uh, help you with what you're doing and helping, uh, you know, continue to grow the uh, independent artists, uh, you know, ecosystem community and educate people. Um, so one thing I like to say, I tell, I tell people like the biggest mistake that I see mm -hmm. independent artists make, I try to drill this into to, to their heads. So I'll, I'll repeat it. I think the biggest mistake I see artists make is they spend all of their money on one thing or they spend mm -hmm. most of their money on one thing. Most of the time it's on recording. So let's say they've crimped and saved and they're like, I've got, I've got this $5,000. I'm going to put it into my career. And then they spend 4,900 recording and they leave a hundred dollars for everything else that you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, it's like, if you think about, you know, like a Disney movie or a, a new, the new Ford F-150, right? Like, okay. So the new Ford F-150, how, how much money did they spend? It's a new elect, you know, electric Ford. Like they must've spent an insane amount of money in research and development to build that thing. Right. Mm -hmm. They're running commercials all the time. They're advertising and they're marketing and they're promoting it. They're doing all these things for it. Artists will spend all their money to record and create their art and leave nothing to market. Right. Ford doesn't do that. 
Disney yeah. doesn't do that with the next Marvel movie. Right. They'll they'll spend, you know, just on a product period. Like if I if I'm selling tennis shoes, the tennis shoes cost twelve dollars, but the advertising budget is twelve million. You see right. that? Like, and and so right. artists need to be just like, okay, it cost me a thousand to record this, but I'm gonna spend ten thousand marketing it. Right. Yeah. And and look, I don't say necessarily need to be that much, but you know, in terms of like a ratio, you know, yeah. I, I try to, you know, I, I think it's probably in the, you, and there's also distribution costs. Um, it's not just marketing. It's, it's, it's recording, it's marketing, it's production, it's legal, it's business. So there's other things. Those things are the smaller one, but I would say the biggest chunk should go towards marketing. Absolutely. Right? I appreciate that. That yeah. Thank you again, Brian. Man. I really appreciate it. We're going to have lunch yeah, soon, you. but Thank you. For yeah, blessing. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you for blessing the people with your knowledge. Um, and, and of course, go ahead and tell them how they can contact you or how they can find you. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. So I'm Brian Calhoun at everything. It's uh, at B-R-Y-A-N-C-A-L-H-O-U-N. And uh, uh, please check out the Music Business Toolbox too, musicbusinesstoolbox.com. And uh, we'll, let's get let's get something set up too so that your uh, your people can all get a, uh, uh, get the uh, JR uh, 10 yeah, Artist yeah. Commandment discount, discount on the uh, sure. toolbox, all right? We'll get, we'll get them right. set up. I appreciate right. that. All Absolutely. right, Absolutely, thank you.